I am reading today's uh, text, which comes from uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 43, as will be presented by Elder Kakoi. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down to his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she, says, she, set up. she sat up. She took her by the hand, by the hand and helped her to her feet. Um, then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a, with a, with a tanner named Simon. And today, Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender the sermon to you. We surrender our baggages to you, dear Lord. Our hearts, our imaginations, Lord. We surrender to the total control of the Holy Spirit. Even praying for the, for, for the preacher, Elder Kakoi, that he will be used of you for the honor and glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, we surrender to you this morning. We ask as we come before your presence to hear from you that the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth will be acceptable to you, our Lord and God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's appreciate the worship team as they take their seats. I hope we are on. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How was your week? We thank God for another opportunity to be in the house of God uh, today and to hear from the Lord this morning. As you know, this month we have been looking at giving. Giving is a hard thing to speak about. And most times when churches want to speak about giving, they invite speakers from outside. Now, Reverend Kasimu decided to crucify me. And the good thing is that he crucified me together with him. And uh, Emmanuel here and a number of us um, to speak about giving from within. Um, and so, um, if you remember well, the first Sunday we spoke from the book of Nehemiah, the first Sunday of the month, and we were talking about giving of self, that God is not interested in our possessions, in our money. God is first of all interested with us. God is interested in our obedience to him. Remember the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And so there is no giving of property, possessions, money, finances that supersedes our obedience to God. 
So we listened about Nehemiah, his sacrifices, leaving the uh, big position in Babylon, coming back to Judah in Jerusalem to help rebuild the wall. The next Sunday, we spoke from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 1 to 15. And the title was Giving Amidst Trial. We heard of a church, the Macedonian church, that was very poor. In addition to being poor, they were undergoing persecution. Just undergoing persecution alone is enough to distract you from giving. Now, if you are undergoing persecution to poverty, which means resources are limited, then you can easily be distracted from giving. But the Bible says that they gave overwhelmingly. The next Sunday, which was last Sunday, Reverend Evans Mutamba gave us God's word from 1 Samuel chapter 2. And uh, it was titled, Giving That is Birthed um, by Prayer. Giving That is Birthed by Prayer. And we saw that Anna prayed to God that he would be given a son. And when he was given that son, before he had vowed to God that he would give that son back to God, he gave that son back to God, fulfilling the vows that we make to the Lord. Today, our text is Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 42. One time when we were in the university, a group went out for missions. When they went out to this one home... There were many people who were gathered there. And it is such a blessing when you are going out for evangelism door to door. When you find a group of, it's like a crusade that is already prepared for you. So without asking what was going on, the group asked if they would share God's word with the team, a group, everybody. And quickly that was accepted. Well, a dear brother of mine shared from... The text about Jesus bringing Lazarus back to life. Now, he didn't know what was happening, what the people were gathered there for. And so after he shared, um, you know, one of the members of the household whispered to him and told them that they had a prayer need. So they led him to the house, and lo and behold, the people who were there were mourning the death of somebody in that family. Remember, he had already said, Jesus can do anything, including raising the dead. Because the text is about Jesus raising the dead, right? So, <laughs> they told him, brother, um, we are trusting God. And, you know, they pointed him to the body of the boy. Reverend Kasimu, what would you have done? <laughs> brother Koti, what would you have done? <laughs> So the brother prayed over the body, and uh, a powerful prayer, but uh, it did not please the Lord for the boy to come back to life. And uh, he gave up a prophecy, he said, next year, time like this, you will have a baby boy, praise the Lord. Um, because it's our work is to pray. 
and it's God's work to answer, right? Today, we are going to look at a text where somebody is going to be coming back to life. Chau kweli sasa. Amen. In the text that we read today, we are told of a certain disciple. Bible says a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Her name in Aramaic was Tabitha, and in Greek it was Dorcas. Just the same way we know Jesus, when you go to Jerusalem, you will hear them praying in Yehoshua's name, because in Hebrew, Aramaic, Jesus is Yehoshua. It's not a different person, it's just the same name. But in Greek, it's Jesus, Jesus, and our translations come from the New Testament translation that was written in Greek, and so we call him Jesus. This lady is from a city called Joppa. If you remember when Jonah was told by God to go and speak his word, he took off and went to Joppa. It was a port city. So this woman was from that same city. And uh, The Bible talks about her life, and the text in NIV says she was always doing good. In Greek, it says she was full of good works. In other words, if this basket here is the life of Tabitha, If this basket here represents the life of Tabitha, it was overflowing with goodness. It was overflowing with good deeds. The other thing we are told is that she was also full of charity. She was doing good things to the poor. And then the Bible says she became sick and she died. Wait a minute. Can somebody who serves the Lord so faithfully, so committedly, fall sick and die? You realize it is not true doctrine that people who serve God, do not suffer. In fact, they suffer, and sometimes they die. But the Bible tells us that the death of a believer is different. If you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13, it says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. And what does it mean to die in the Lord? It does not mean to die in church. It means to die when you are believing in the Lord, when you are serving the Lord. So if you want to be blessed when you die, you better be serving the Lord. You better be believing. Keep your faith in the Lord. And the Bible says why they are blessed, because their deeds will follow them. Because their deeds will follow them after this life. Well, 
it's always important for us to remember that at some point we will die if the Lord tarries, right? Yes, all of us will die. And that tells us we have a limited amount of time with which we can serve the Lord. If you are a preacher, you cannot be a preacher forever. If you are a Sunday school teacher, you cannot be a Sunday school teacher forever. If you are a father, you cannot be a father forever. If you want to serve the Lord, you have limited amount of time that you can serve the Lord. And after that, it's time to give account. My prayer is that we will serve and walk with the end in mind. So that we are not caught by surprise when the Lord comes like the five foolish virgins. So yes, Tabitha gets sick and then she dies. Then the disciples hear that Peter is in Lida. Lida was like 16 kilometers away from Joppa. So that's somewhere like uh, from here to Bomas, Apombelek Dog, or KWS, maybe somewhere. So Peter was there. So they sent two men and tell Peter, come quickly. And Peter comes quickly. When he comes, the widows who were getting helped by Tabitha were standing around showing Peter the robes and other clothes that Tabitha had made for them. In other words, during the burial for Tabitha, I think, instead of these testimonies that we worked so hard to get, you know, it was, uh, it was what? These guys were standing there as a living testimony saying this was the life of Tabitha. Some of us, when we pass, I pray none of us here, it is so hard to say what you were doing. What were not a food? <laughs> were not a food. They end up cooking. My prayer is that the Lord will help us to serve him so that when we pass, it is easy to say this is what was happening. Now, Peter prays for Tabitha, and she resuscitates. I will not say she resurrects, because we know that after that she died. And when we are talking of resurrection from a theological point of view, it means you are raised again, never to die. And so far, only one person has been resurrected, and that's our Lord Jesus. That's why the Bible says he is the firstborn from amongst the dead. That means he rose and never died again. So Tabitha rises, uh, rises from the dead and she's presented to the disciples, especially the widows alive. Now, the next chapter, chapter 10, talks of a related story. Chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. It talks of a man called Cornelius, a centurion, that's a non-Jew, who was, as described in verse 2, 
devout and God-fearing. In other words, Cornelius honored God. He respected God. And then secondly, the Bible says he was generous to those in need. And third, he prayed to God regularly. As a result, God sent an angel to have somebody come and share the gospel with him so that he cannot be lost. From that text, we learn that there are three important things that touch the heart of God. One of them is the fear of God. We are living in a generation where people do not fear God. People talk the things they want to talk. And you listen, is that a, a believer? People watch the things they want to watch. Is that a believer watching that sort of thing? But people who are God-fearing, that touches the heart of God. Secondly, giving. The Bible says that Cornelius was a giver. That touches the heart of God. And third, she, he was prayerful. Prayer touches the heart of God. Our topic today is giving that endures. Giving that lasts. Giving that has impact in this life and the life to come. Now, that's a very broad topic. It can include giving that has eternal impact on people's lives. That I give like Tabitha gave and there was good lasting impact in the widow's lives. It can include giving that has impact on kingdom business. We know when we give, there is eternal impact in the kingdom. And then it can include giving that has eternal impact on the giver. On the, the person who is giving, is there an impact? While I was uh, preparing and thinking of this text, I remembered this small book here. The book is titled The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcon. This is a wonderful book, um, Unlocking the Secret of Joyful Giving. I will recommend this book to you. You can get it on Kindle. You can buy it. I think it's about $7 on Kindle. It's a great lead. And it's not big. So you won't spend like nights and nights. Some of us who fear books, this one is small. Then like a few pages, there's a summary up or there's a summary statement. So this one is good. And I've read it. It's biblical. So I would recommend it to you. Some of the things that I'm going to say in the next few minutes are from this book. And so if you can get it, I will really recommend it. As we see in the story of Tabitha, number one, and I'm just going to speak about three things and I'll be done. There is a connection between our faith and our finances. There is a connection, as we know, for example, how we walk, how we talk, 
the things that we see, the things that we listen to, and our Christian faith, right? In other words, there is a certain way that you don't expect a believer to be walking. And there is a certain way you don't expect a believer to be talking. In a similar way, there is a certain way you don't expect a believer to be handling finances and possessions and money and talent and gifting. How do we know that there is a connection between our money and our possessions and our spiritual lives? Well, Jesus taught about 15% all of his sermons about money, possessions, stewardship, and related topics. 15% for the last uh, over six years. I think this is the first month we are speaking about giving. Right? I remember about uh, a year ago or two, one of us in our local AGM rose their hand and said, can you please share about giving? We have not been hearing about giving. You are a wonderful congregation. It's not every other congregation that says, please speak about giving. Amen. You can class for, for yourselves. That's really, really awesome. But Jesus spoke about giving 15%. So that means in every year, 15% of the sermons, if Jesus was a pastor, he would be speaking about giving, right? Amen. But secondly, look at John the Baptist in the book of Luke chapter 3. The Bible says, in verse 3, he went out preaching in the Jordan. And he was preaching, it's clear what his message was. It was a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he told people, please repent so that your sins will be forgiven. The message was clear. And then the people said, okay, that's a great, that's a great message. And before, before then, in, in, in Luke 3.8, the same preaching, he said, when you repent and your sins are forgiven, produce fruit that keep in tune with repentance. In other words, when you repent and your sins are forgiven, now after that we want to see fruit. That is similar to your repentance. So the people asked three questions, and all the three questions were the same. They asked John the Baptist, what should we do then? How can we show that we have repented? For the three groups, the first one, that was everybody, this was John's answer. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. To show that you have repented, you guys, that was John, if you have two shirts, give to the one who has none. That was John. Then the tax collectors asked the same question, what should we do so that when people see us, they know we have truly repented and we love the Lord? He told them, 
Don't collect any more than you are required to do. Now, he didn't tell them, go and do praise and worship, which is important also. I'm not saying Dr. praise and worship. He told them, don't collect any more than you are required to. And then the soldiers showed up and they asked John the Baptist, what do we do so that people know we have truly repented? And he told them, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely, Kenya police. Okay? I'm not saying they do that. I mean, if it was those days, it's Kenya police who would have come, right? And they are me. And then the, John the Baptist would tell them, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. If you look at those answers, all of them are connected to money and possession. But the question was not, how can we handle our possession? The question was, what is the evidence of spiritual transformation? That tells us how we handle money and possession is important and central to our spiritual lives. Jesus, speaking about money and possessions, gave a story in the book of Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. One verse of a story. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that is hidden in a field. Let us be sincere. How many of us have dreamed of buying a piece of land, and then they find there is oil there. I have. (laughs) Or they find there is gold. Or SGR passes through it. Uh, Unagongwa, right? I hear there is a brother of a friend whose church is Ligongwa. Where? (laughs) The Lord came through for them. (laughs) Amen. How many of us have thought of getting a place where there is some treasure? You know? That is the same thing. Jesus says, gives this story of this guy. He's walking maybe from point A to point B in Israel, for example. And then he's alone. He thinks, oh, let me take a shortcut, for example. And then as maybe as a staff, or, you know, this walking stick. And as he's walking, he hits something. So, what was that? Then, he, he, you know, this was there who walk with the walking sticks. He hears something. Wait, you know, then he opens it up. He finds gold and gold and precious stones. Then he looks around, for example, maybe, and there's no home around. He thinks, what do I do? This, I I, I mean, I don't want to take it because that will be stealing. So, (laughs) Jesus in that story says, with joy, he went home and sold all he had and came back and bought this field. From the moment that guy realizes there is some treasure here, his life changes. His decisions change because of the discovery. He makes certain radical decisions, sells everything he has, comes by that piece of land. Now, when we hear that story, do you pity that guy or you envy him? 
Let's just be sincere. This is, uh, this is not a sermon. This is a discussion. <laughs> when you hear that story, do you pity that guy or do you envy him? Why do you envy him and he lost everything he was having? Because losing what he had, he gained what mattered the treasure. He gave, but gained everything that mattered. And Jesus teaching in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he gives the reason, moths and vermin can destroy it, and thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And he finishes by saying, where your treasure is, your heart also is there. Let's quickly just consider carefully what Jesus is saying. Is Jesus saying that earthly treasures are bad? No. He does not say that earthly treasures are bad. Because he does not say, do not have earthly treasures. He says, store your, before you store, you must have, right? For you to store, you must have. Jesus is simply warning us about storing our heavenly riches in the wrong place. Does that mean we should not enjoy the treasure that God has given us? So that means all of us now should sell our cars and walk to church? No, that's not what it means. Because in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 19, says that it is God who gives wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them is a gift from God. So Jesus is not saying do not enjoy your, your wealth. Uh -uh. So why does Jesus then tell us do not store your treasures for yourselves on earth? The reason is that they will not last. Here is a hard but true saying. Wealth will always be lost. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5 gives the two ways in which wealth can be lost. Wealth in regard to an individual like me. The first one is when I am around, something can happen and I lose my wealth. The second one is that when I die, automatically all the wealth is lost because you can't take it with you. Ecclesiastes 5.15 and Psalms 49.16-17 to 17. tell us that you will take nothing when you die. You will not descend with your splendor. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen, uh, what do you call these vehicles that pull uh, our departed ones? Has. Have you ever seen a horse pulling a uh, Lamborghini, for example? As in, uh, this was the Lamborghini of the guy, so the horse is pulling a Lamborghini. Have you ever seen that? 
Why? Because you can't take it with you. Now, last year, towards the end of last year, when uh, COVID uh, relaxed a little bit, I traveled to Egypt. And over the weekend, um, we were led to the Egyptian museum. So we paid somebody to take us through, and we told them, because our time is limited, take us to the important things, the highlights of this museum. They say, oh, fine, I'll take you to the highlights of this museum. So he told us the highlights of this museum is the collections of King Tut. Well, is, the full name is Tutankhamun. It's a long name, but it's King Tut. King Tut was a pharaoh in Egypt about 3,000 years ago, and his mummy is in the Egyptian museum, his body, real, not uh, the real body is in the Egyptian museum. What fascinated me is the type of burial that this king received. His tomb alone, composed of over 1,200 kilograms of gold, his, uh, what do you call where you put somebody when he dies? Coffin, the coffin was pure gold. He had slippers, shoes that were golden, buried with him. He was buried in a, like uh, three different coffins, gold, pure gold. Then he had a burial mask. That was showing how he was looking like. So if you see that mask today, you know this was how he looked like. That mask was pure gold. Because the Egyptians believed in afterlife. They believed there was life after death. So they wanted to send him with enough gold so that in the next life he could uh, enjoy life. In fact... They also included some fun games in the burial. They are there in the Egyptian museum. And some mummified chicken, mummified pieces of meat. If it was Luya, maybe mummified Ugali. I don't know whether that's possible, brother. It was put with him with the hope that he goes with it in the next life. 3,000 years later, all those things are here and intact. In the same city, in the same city in Cairo, there is the tomb of one brother. His name is Borden. He was a graduate of Yale University. And he was from a very rich family. That means he had great inheritance. He agreed to move to Egypt to evangelize to the Muslims. He lived a very modest life, like a poor man. He gave in millions to missions. And after four months of zealous ministry in Egypt, he died at the age of 25. Think of those, those two people, King Tut and Brother, you know, I don't know what we, it's not even king, right? Brother Borden. Where are they today? How is their eternity looking like? You cannot bring your wealth, your possessions with you, but you can send it ahead with you. The king kept all the treasures 
but we have it with us. I think Brother Bolden is enjoying. How do we know he's enjoying? Because Jesus teaching in the book of Luke chapter 14 verse 12, he said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors alone, maybe. If you do, they will invite you back and you will not be, you will not be repaid. And that's like being repaid. Then he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Although they cannot give back to you, that day, so it's like you are investing now for that day of resurrection. Ephesians 6.8 says, Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slaves or free, we know that we will be rewarded for the good things that we do here. And so, we cannot bring with us the things that we have here. We can send them ahead. Now, please, do not confuse. I'm not saying that God does not want you to meet the needs of your family. Amen? We must, we, our, our gospel must be balanced. God expects us to meet the needs of our families, for example. But God expects us to be good stewards of the things that he has given us. To conclude, let me say this. Our Lord keeps track of every single small thing that we do. Like Dorcas today, we have a clean record of what she did, right? The Lord keeps a track of every single small thing that we do. In Matthew chapter 10 verse 42, it says, If anyone gives a cup, even a cup of cold water to any of these little ones, who is my disciple... Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. In other words, Jesus is saying, even the smallest of things that you do for me, by giving, by whatever other way, it is kept well. Because, you know, the Bible says that there is a record of remembrance. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 and Revelation tells us there is a place God has written the things we do. For example, I believe the offering that we give every Sunday, God records it somewhere. That's what the Bible says. It does. I know we give sometimes with the to mekunja kabisa, but the Lord sees, right? I know we might not see, but the Lord, now by the way, you don't have to kunja so much. They don't need to iron your money. Please, uh, you can... <laughs> so to save on electricity, right? There is a record. and uh, <laughs> So I travel a lot uh, by God's grace. And when I am traveling, there are times when I am really excited about where I am going. Especially if there is celebration on the other side. Except... 
especially if there's a good report on the other side, there are times when I am not excited. Now, if the Lord is going to give us a report of our giving when we arrive in heaven, are you going to be excited when you are going there? Are we going to be excited? And the Lord does not only remember, He will reward everything that we give to Him. Amen. It is exciting. Yesterday we had uh, yesterday and on Friday we had our elders meeting. And uh, we were discussing about and got reports of our churches and how things are doing. I was so proud of being associated with Ongata Rongai. The things that are happening here, when they are being mentioned there, I feel like putting a tag, Ongata Rongai. Amen. Because, you know, kunaka ukitumzuri unasikianga when things are good. Amen. Like you are giving, for example. You have given 130% of what our target was, right? For lifting the axe. We have exceeded, we have given generously more than we have, more than we were required to. 130%. Uh-huh. The programs that we have, other reports came, they said that people have walked around, looked at some of the needs that we have here, and the people just gave from the heart. Somebody said, you know, those classes um, where our youth meet, they need cabro. Somebody gave from there. And the other day, Pastor Cote here was dedicating a big... Somebody just gave. I felt so good. Amen. Now, I pray that is the same feeling all of us will have when we get to heaven. Amen. And I pray that also myself... My report will be good because in heaven there is no NBC on Gatarongai. Amen. Matthew 16, 27 says, this is my last verse. For the son of God, the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and he will reward each person according to what they have done according to what they have done because of time i will encourage you once again to look at this book and uh, for example uh, chapter four of this book um it talks about roadblocks to giving for example because of time i am not able to go to those things if you can please find it and read more because god wants us to be blessed as we serve him through our possessions uh, the things that we own, the things that he has given to us, because they are his. Amen. God bless you as I welcome uh, our pastor to conclude for us. Wow, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, church. Thank you, Elder Kakui, for that. As you preached, I remembered a story that I think we all heard. We used to hear of a story that uh, a tortoise was running, was racing. I don't know, it was racing with who and who. And, uh, of course, you know the speed of the tortoise, but uh, towards the end, the tortoise was uh, number one. 
But I discovered we heard that uh, there were several tortoises. Is that a, a plural for tortoise? And, uh, uh, and I think they had arranged themselves so that everywhere you went, you found the tortoise ahead of you, the tortoise ahead of you. And towards the end, the tortoise was still the winner. And it looks like Elder Kakuyu saying, this life, since we shall not go back with our jeeps, we will not go to heaven with our jeeps, with our money, we will need to send the tortoise ahead. That's what you've taught us. That we can be meaningful. We can find it there. Next week, we'll be talking about the laws of giving. That when you give, it comes back to you. But how the secrets will continue there. Today, I would like us to stand up. I'm, requir- I'm requesting us, wherever you are, those that are at home. <laughs> Maybe your, your, your wallet, you don't have to remove it, but just touch. Just touch your wallet or your purse if it's in your basket. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Wherever it, it, it is, um, you don't have to really get it out, but just where, where you usually keep it. Because we get trouble giving. We want to give. But just like Paul says, what he likes doing, he ends up not doing it. Even during the driest year, that which we desire to do, to send a tortoise out there, then the Lord will be glorified. And the Lord will be glorified through our giving as he is glorified. That's the secret. Not really making a campaign for the things to be done, but talking about how you liberate yourself, how you put yourself in tune with what the Lord wants to do with the money that he has given to you and the wealth and the, many ta- and, the, and, the, and, the and the wealth of talents, the wealth of skills, the wealth of time that you have, that you keep too much to yourself, you will discover the Lord can do so much more with little time that you can give. So just place your hand there, including myself, and I'm praying. Heavenly Father, what a wonder you are. We are symbolizing as we reach out to where we keep our money, just as a symbol of the great wealth you've given to us, tithes, offerings, givings, time, skills, and even support. Emotional support to those who need your help and you can only use us. Father, we surrender totally to you. We surrender totally to you and I pray for the grace of giving in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for the grace of giving to open. I pray for the grace of uh, giving to open in the name of Jesus Christ. Come again as a spirit of stinginess. I come again as a spirit of procrastination in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, even as we surrender ourselves totally to you, and even as we go home, Lord, even as we purpose to please you, to whom who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, To the only one God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages. 
even in our sacrifice forever and ever. Amen and amen. Then we can say the grace together. Amen. We give you praise and we give you honor. The rock of our salvation. Let's look at one another and share the grace. Not really in prayer, but like speaking. Just look at someone. Just look at someone and now share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen and amen. We are more than conquerors in Christ, brothers and sisters. The Lord is on our side. The Lord is on our side.